Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were, going, who were washing their nets. He got into one of those boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they gave and filled the, and they came and filled both boats full, so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now, from now you will fish from people. So they pulled their boats up, from, up on shore and left everything and followed them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? O Lord, as we gather to worship you, to hear your word read and proclaimed, We humbly ask that you would open our ears, our hearts, our lives, that we would hear what you would say to us today. But let those words not just echo within our soul. Let them, O Lord, be magnified in our lives, that we would leave this place not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So think about your life. Think about what you have and all of your experiences. What is the one thing you have bought or the one restaurant where you have eaten recently or your favorite shop, though your favorite sports team, what's the one thing you have talked to all your friends and neighbors about? You have asked them, you said, I need to tell you, I bought the best thing the other day and it's whatever it is, and and it's so wonderful and you need to buy this or you need to eat at this restaurant or you need to order this at this particular restaurant or shop at this store. What's that one thing that you cannot help but keep telling all your friends and family and neighbors and coworkers almost to the point of boring them with? Well, let me tell you about mine. If you'll turn in your bulletin to page two and you look at the focus statement, it's a picture of a pair of L.L. Bean main hunting shoes. 
That's my one item. That is the one thing that I will promise you that I swear by. I've owned that pair of boots for 30 years. I've resold them four times. They have tramped all across the all across the grounds of Davidson College to the classroom building, across Patterson Court to the sophomore year abroad apartments. I carried them to Divinity School with me, and the Divinity School, they got this brilliant idea. The Divinity School is on this side of Duke's campus, and I think they owned a parking lot two steps away from Chapel Hill, and they said, let's make the Div students park over there. So when it was pouring down rain or there was snow and ice on the ground, those are the shoes I wore from satellite parking. I mean, they called it satellite parking, all the way to the Divinity School. I've gone hiking in them. I have shoveled snow. I mean, 14 inches of snow in, Jan in December, couldn't even touch those boots. I've done hurricane relief, mission trips, yard work, even a flood at church. You'll read about that later in the March, April edition of the Windows Magazine. These boots have been everywhere with me. Every, kid, every one of my friends, when I bought that pair, said, you need to get a pair of these. When I did youth ministry, every kid that graduated high school and headed off to college, you need to get a pair of these. Every other teenager going to college that I could get my hands on, guess what I said? You need a pair of these. When my own daughter goes off to school in a couple of months, guess what she will have in her kit? A pair of these. I mean, you know, I think, why did I do all this? Why am I so excited these boots? They have been so perfect for me. And I want others to have that perfect pair of foul weather shoe wear. I want others to have that experience. And I think that's why we do that. If you use Yelp, one of the apps that you can get in the iTunes store that tells you about your favorite restaurant, you can Yelp about it. And that means you clicked on it and you said what you thought. Or maybe you put it on Facebook. Hey, you know, I've got, I've just found the best plumber. I mean, who doesn't need a good plumber, right? Or better yet, if you don't do that, if you endorse someone on LinkedIn, or if you're not into social media at all, I guarantee you, you have found that place and you have told all your friends about it. Over cards at the club, over restaurants and, and, and circle meetings and other opportunities, you have told the world about that thing that you love the most. Why is that? It's because we want them to experience the same joy, the same utility, the same purpose that we found with that. We want them to have that same enjoyment that we found from this thing that we're so excited about. We can't contain ourselves. We want to invite them into our circle of joy about that restaurant, that shop, or that item. Imagine what the world would look like if we did that about this place. <clears throat> Imagine what the world would look like if we invited people into this place with that same fervor, that same excitement, that same joy. What would happen here? Better yet, what would happen in our world? So in today's text, Jesus is teaching and as he's teaching and healing people and working his ministry, the sort of the word, the buzz is spread about him. And all in the days before social media and electronic communications, people are hearing about Jesus's ministry. They're following him and they're gathering together and, and they're following him down to the shore of Lake Gennesaret. And as they get there, there's so many people that Jesus is backed up to the water's edge and there's still more people coming in. And so Jesus says, he looks at some fishermen who've been on the boat all night. They sort of spread their nets out. They don't have much of a catch. And he says, hey, can I borrow your boat? 
Can you roll me a little bit away from shore so that I can get back from people, get a little distance? They're kind of getting into my personal space. Let me give them my message in a broader spectrum. So they do that. And as Jesus is teaching, the crowd hears this and everyone is amazed. And then when Jesus finishes, when he gives sort of the final amen of his, of his teaching, he looks at the disciples. He looks at, well, they're not yet disciples, but he looks at the fishermen and he says, I'll tell you what. How about row your boat out a little bit further with me and put your nets over the side? I'll help you with the catch. Now, these are professional fishermen. They've been fishing all night. They've got very little to show for it. They know the spot is cold. It's not the right spot to fish. But for whatever reason, they trust him based on his teachings. And so they row out a little further. And you know what happens? They throw the nets over the side. And when they go to bring them in, there's more fish than they've ever caught before. So much so that it says, the text says, it almost sank their boats. Now, if you know anything about fishing and anything about boats, even if you start with the smallest of John boats, that's a lot of fish. A lot of fish to bring in that many fish that you almost sank the boat. And so they couldn't even bring it over the side. That's a lot of fish. And the disciples now, as they're starting to realize they're called into something different, they say, we trust you. And Jesus says, do not fear, for I will make you fishers of men. Or as the text records today, I will make you fishers of people. And in that moment in time, we who get to read the rest of the story realize that these simple fishermen are being called to be disciples. They're being called together for a different purpose than just gathering fish. Their mission changes in this story. Well, we also know by reading this story that their mission is now our mission. See, what we realize as we read this, we realize three things. One, we have this realization that the, this is a message. What Jesus has been teaching, what he teaches the disciples is a message that the world needs to hear first and foremost. Second, we realize that God is calling us about that message to share it with the world, to go out, to row into the deeper waters, if you will, beyond our comfort zones into a world that needs that message. And third, that we are to trust God. And if we will trust God, even when we go out beyond where we're comfortable, that we can change the world. That we can change the world, make a real difference in the world around us. And that's what God is calling us to do. So when we take a look at Jesus' ministry at the beginning and we try to figure out what is this message that we're supposed to carry out. If we look in the Bible, if we start to read all the words of Jesus and what Jesus was teaching about, if you pull out a book, they make one called a concordance and you can look up how many times the word love is used in the Bible, or how many times the word faith is used. If you look up the word love, look at the number of times that Jesus talks about love. And what we begin to realize is that Jesus's ministry, Jesus's message is a message of love to the world. And if there is ever a time in human history where that message needs to be echoed, needs to sound from every mountaintop and every low place to echo across the hillsides and across our land, the message of love is that message today. You think back with me 17 years on 9-11 when that tragedy happened in New York and D.C. and Pennsylvania. Wherever you were, if you were alive and you remember cowering around your TV set and realizing something terrible had happened. 
The next thing that happened in churches is we were watching it as well on TV as our phones began to ring. Are you open? We're always open. Are you open? What people were asking was, can I come in? I don't even know why I need to come to church, but I need to come. People that had not darkened the doors of church for years wanted to come. And so we threw the doors open to the world and people just came in and prayed. They came in to know they get some reassurance that God was in heaven and that God's heart was broken as well and that God loved the world still. Fast forward 17, 18 years and that message is still true. We read of disasters of fire and hurricanes and hunger and flood. We look at the threat of violence and war that goes on in our world divisive politics and racial strife, the fact that the world seems to want to slice us and dice us by all the different things that make us different and then try to set up divisive issues between all the differences that we have when we know that there's a God in heaven that made us different for a reason but wanted us to be together. That message of love is needed now more than ever. And so we begin to understand as we read the text today that our mission, our calling is to be disciples who changed the world around us. And how do we do that? We do that by sharing that gospel message, to share the message of, of, of love, because that is the good news. It is the best news that the world could ever hear today. Whether it's on the front page or in our streets or in our neighborhoods or at work, what the world needs to hear is that God loves us all. And so we are to go out and we are to tell the world, share that message, remind the world that God created everything around us, made it beautiful, loves you just the way you are. And not only did God create you and make you the way you are and loves you the way you are, but God loves you enough to have sent his only son to die on the cross for us. Oh, and yes, God is still present and active in our world. God has not abandoned us and left us to our own devices, that if we're really faithful, God is still with us and amongst us. You see, I think people are looking for news, they're looking for meaning, they're looking for this idea of love each and every day. I think we want to, we want to have that, we want to be, we're hungering for it. I think of those first people, those first people that Jesus was teaching, how they crowded him right there on the shore and pushed him out of the water because they wanted to hear this message so much so. And the same is still true today. Our world is hungering for the love that God has for it, for the love that God has for you and me and that we know in our hearts, the world around us is hungering for that. So first and foremost, that's the message that we have to share. But the second one is that God is calling you and me, calling the people of this church out into the world to ask us to row out into the deep waters, out there to share our faith. Now we start talking about sharing our faith, people start to get a little bit nervous about that because we've got bad images of people sharing their faith. You know, there are some groups that have no problem walking up to an absolute stranger and saying, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that if you die today where your salvation would be? They have no trouble doing that, but that's off-putting to some folks. It's a little too much into their personal space. And for many of us, that's not even who we are. I think of it, the movie Bull Durham, and in this movie, 
what happens is the ball team comes back from a 14-day road trip. They've been tired. They've been on the bus all day long. And they're sort of the clubhouse of Andrews has been trying to witness the rest of his teammates. He gets off the bus and the guys are kind of going their separate ways. And there's this girl, Millie, she's sort of the camp follower. And she's there and she sees Jimmy. She says, Jimmy, do you want to ride home? And you know what Jimmy says back to her? Sure. Millie, can I tell you my face story while we're on the way? Now, Millie's just looking for a date. Jimmy's looking for a faith story and a conversion. I think they're a match made in heaven, but just who they are. But see, I think God calls us to share our faith much with the same zeal that Jimmy wanted to share his, but God calls us to do that differently. Sure, if you feel comfortable doing that, that's perfect. I think God wants us to share our faith through relationships, through trust. You see, we got to have the elevator speech. If someone asks you, why do you believe? Why are you a follower of Christ? Sure, we need to be able to answer that succinctly. But I feel like most people aren't going to ask us that question first. I think most people just want to know that someone cares about them. And that's what makes God smile. Because God already knows that we care about the world. So God is calling us to share our faith by sharing love. See, I think people are looking around, they're looking for meaning, they're looking to belong, they really want to be a part of a group. Years ago, there was a TV show, Cheers, and the, the premise of this was, it was a neighborhood tavern, and everybody sort of knew each other, and everybody belonged. And so what would happen every episode, at some point, the door would swing open, and this large accounting character would walk in, and his name was Norm, and everybody yelled, Norm! And Norm was home. See, I think that's what people want. I think people want to feel like they belong and that they matter. And they walk in a room and we're excited to see them as, as they are to see us. And that's what God wants for the world. Then when we come home, we know we matter, not only to each other, but we know in our hearts that we matter to God. So I think what happens is that people are looking for these real relationships and what God calls us to do in sharing this message of love is to build those relationships, to spend time with each other, to spend real quality time, to show that we care for each other, to listen to each other's hopes and dreams and fears, to show people God's love just by the way we care for them. We do that by lending that listening ear, by showing compassion, taking an interest in their lives, by listening to what concerns them, where their lives hit the low points. And one of the things that we can do, not just to build that compassion and that listening ear, but we can help connect them. So if you know someone, for example, that's struggling with grief for the loss of a loved one, you don't have to solve that problem. You don't have to be a grief counselor. You don't have to be a professional. You just need to know how to help them through that journey to be their friend and hold their hand and connect them. So we have a new ministry here at Centenary called Grief Share. It's a great opportunity to do just that, to help people get connected. And all you have to do is listen for your friends that are struggling and saying, I don't know how I get through each day. And you say, have I got a deal for you? We've got this great group at church, wonderful people. They can help you through this journey. Or maybe if that's not the case, you start to listen to what goes on. I talked with a woman the other day. She said to me, she said, Glenn, I, I really loved going to church growing up. I went all the time. And as I got married, you know, we kind of got distracted with life. And now I want to go again. But my husband doesn't want to go. My kids don't want to go. And I don't want to go to church by myself. Now look around. They're not by themselves if they're in here, are they? 
But I can imagine, because one of the things that we learn as kids, especially in junior high, and we never always fully outgrow is this. You don't want to stick out. I mean, that's why all junior highs, they all dress the same. They all try to blend in because no one wants to stick out. Because if you stick out in junior high, everyone's staring at you or so you think. So no one wants to walk in a church by themselves if they haven't been in a while. No one wants to walk in a church if their family doesn't join them. And so this is what she was expressing to me. What went through my mind was, gosh, what if one of her friends, one of her friends who was a member here, what if one of her friends, she would share this with him and say to her, well, why don't you come with us? We'll pick you up or I'll tell you what, let's meet in the parking lot and we'll walk in together and then you can sit with our family and then no one knows that you are here by yourself. See, when we make those kinds of invitations, when we agree to walk the road with someone else to take care of them, we help them find their tribe, their people, the group where they belong. And they begin to understand and experience that message, right? They begin to understand that we rode out in the deeper water. We rode out and we threw our nets over the side and we brought them into fellowship with us because we shared them. God's love. See, that's all God asks of us. The message is simple. God loves the world. God loves you and me. And all we have to do is build a relationship to invite everyone in. Row out in the deeper waters. Build that relationship. Finally, what I love as the disciples looked at Jesus with the weight of the nets pulling against the side of their boats, Jesus said these words, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, trust in me, and we're gonna change the world together. See, when Jesus called the disciples, they were never alone. If you think about the entire time in their ministry, once Jesus called them, they were never alone. First, Jesus always had them around him teaching and preaching, healing people, but then even when he sent them out to practice, to do some field work, Jesus was never far away from them. He was always in the vicinity to help them feel that support, to help them be undergirded, to help them realize how they could go deeper and better at what Jesus was calling them to do. And then even after the resurrection, as he, before he left earth, he just spoke to them again and he said, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. Meaning, don't give up. You're not alone. I'm with you. So what this tells me, this tells me that God plays the long game with you and me with the world around us. If we think back to creation, creation was good, it was perfect. And when humanity chose to walk away from God, God did not leave us. God said instead, I am with you and I'm in this to win. So God sent the prophets and the judges and the kings. And when that wasn't enough, God sent his son. God sent his son to show the world that God was in it for the long haul. God was in it to bring us all back together, back in the right relationship, because that's what God wants for all of the earth. And so we just need to take comfort in that as well. That God plays a long game in our lives and in all the world around us. That we know the message is love, that we know the delivery method is relationships. And we recognize that disciples aren't built in a day just like Rome wasn't built in a day. And instead, what we're called to do is to plant the seeds, 
to plant the seeds and to nurture them through conversation and friendship and care and support, to pray for our friends, to invite them to be a part of us, to come into fellowship here with us, and that when we do that, when they come into fellowship with us, we are in ministry together, learning and growing together. So we're a called people, aren't we? God calls us to share our faith. God calls us to go out in the world and share that message of love. So I got to tell you, I love my boots and I can talk for hours about my boots. But I love this place. I love my church. I love my faith. I love my God. I love what God has done for me. If you think I can talk for hours about a pair of boots that I've owned for 30 years, imagine how long I can talk about this place that has shaped and formed and held me up. What about you? What about you? If we are so eager to celebrate and to share about the things in our lives that we have witnessed and experienced, what about us and our faith in this place? What about, what about this place has brought you here and has meant so much to you? Think about the course of your life. How is it that we have experienced God's message of love and how we experience through this church? Now go one step further with me. Row with me out into the deep waters. Row with me out there and ask yourself this question. Who do you know in your life needs the message of love that we teach and we preach and we know in our hearts in this place? Who is that one person? Who is the one person in your life, at work, at home, in the neighborhood, at school? Who is the one person that you see and run into that needs this message of love? Row out into the deep waters with me. Cast your net over the side. Build that relationship. Pray for them. Share and invite them in due time. I feel like if we do that, not only will we add to the numbers of folks here, but we will do just what God asks us to do. We can trust God with that person as we pray for them, as we think about how to build that relationship with them. And guess what we can do, folks? We can change the world. And we can change the world around us because we change the world for one person. And that's all God calls us to do. to row out into the deep waters, to cast our nets, and to change the world one person at a time. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.